Welcome back, everybody. We're in part three of the multi-part series, Journey to FI and more, featuring Tony and John. Tony, what's up? That was a new uh, yeah, kind of intro there. Yeah, we're trying to figure it out. Let us know, people. There Call in. Leave a comment. Anyway, the past couple episodes here, we talked about our motivations for FI. Yep. And today, we have kind of... The first deal so after sort of being motivated at the beginning like what did we do to kind of get started and this will again be sort of two parts we'll do john's today his first deal and then in the next episode we'll do my deal and um go from there so john i guess we'll just hop right into it um so you're motivated you know to do this deal you're looking for kind of a way to replace your your working income uh, so that you don't have to be like a slave to the man, so to speak, for your you know whole life. There's a bunch of people in less privileged countries that would hate me saying a slave to the man. Um, however, that's kind of what it is. So I guess the first deal, what are you now? You're like you're laughing at me <laughs> anyway. Whatever. <laughs> no editing on this show. So no. there you go. Anyway, uh, so you I guess at the time. Like, give me a little bit of setup for this. What was your situation whenever you went to actually pull the trigger on the first deal? Um, sure. Uh, I mean, you think the people want to hear? Like, so my first deal, I actually started. I never even saw the house before we made an offer. So I was living in California. We had decided we were going to move across the country to Pittsburgh. Uh, we liked Pittsburgh because uh, we had the Southwest Airlines uh, market thesis where, hey, if Southwest will build a build an airport hub there we'll invest there and um it had cash flow opportunities so multifamily, you know price first rent ratio is at the right place um so i found my agent who is you tony through bigger pockets i wanted an agent that did, had done exactly what i was attempting to do uh, bought multifamily that uh was in the, the exact uh neighborhood and geography that i wanted and ideally it was house hacking themselves so reached out to a few people and found you and I thought you were a solid fit based on what you had written. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the story. You and I started uh, doing the MLS thing, right? I get emails every so often, but actually be, maybe it would be interesting for another episode. I'll go back and try and find some of those first emails. <laughs> that, that would actually be probably pretty useful context actually. Um, and then uh, basically I mean, should we just jump into the actual property that we purchased? That's probably what we need. Yeah. To do. So you, I guess you were moving, you had already decided to move to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, you were looking for kind of a house hack duplex to do it in. Cause that was your purpose for moving anyway, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Um, and then, yeah, you were just looking for like a decent deal to get started with. And we found a duplex and kind of like a B class market. So yeah, if you want to talk about sort of the numbers on that, what you yeah. were looking at. Sure. So I think the place listed for $79,000, uh, B plus neighborhood, B maybe, probably a B property in a B plus neighborhood. Um, street parking, 13 stairs going up to the, you know, up to the front door, which is not super uncommon in Pittsburgh. That probably sounds insane to anybody in most other markets, but you know, that's, that's just kind of how the, like the lower end houses in Pittsburgh tend to tend to go that way. Uh, one bed, one bath, in the um 
So it wasn't a side-by-side. -side, it was an up-and-down duplex, one bed, one bath on the bottom, two bed, one bath on top. Um, and I think the current tenants were paying like 505.50 or 525. Um, so eventually we, the, the financing we did, we actually did a non-owner occupied loan. So we did an investor loan. We didn't intend to move in there because it was fully occupied at the time. So we did 20% down. I think it was like 20K close. So not nothing considering the house is 80K. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess in terms of like the things that were a little scary for me, uh, making an offer without actually seeing the house was a little tough. Um, the thing that got me over that was you were basically like, look, here in Pittsburgh, you're going to get your hand money or your deposit back um, almost 100% of the time. And also um, I had planned to go out and actually walk the property before our contingency period was up. So that was going on. Um, there was some water like damage looking things on the ceiling. So that was a little concerning. Uh, but the roof was very old. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you always wonder, like, did they paint this up to sell it? You know, that was kind of going through my head. Like, you know, they're going to, you know, this guy doesn't want to deal with these tenants or this house is a, a nightmare. They just paint it. And now they're trying to sell it. Um, and then also there were snorting straws all over the place upstairs. I mean, not not literally all over the place, but, you know. You can see them. Yeah, they're in the windowsill. It's also there. one of those things where, like, if somebody's drug stuff is just hanging out in exactly. public view when they know people are coming over, it's kind of like, well, they're probably uh, doing that fairly often. They're probably doing drug stuff. Yes. Yeah. So to, ba <laughs> to back up, though, I guess um, were utilities separate? No. Well, electric was. Yeah. Uh, I believe gas is common in the building. And... Um, and uh, we, yeah, we pay the water. Yeah, so that's common. Okay. Um, so that's always important to keep in mind too. And I remember right. whenever you were looking at this property, the and this is a good tip for anybody looking for properties. Um, it was actually mislisted at the beginning, if I remember correctly. They said it was a one one and a one one, so they didn't have it as a two a two bedroom unit being involved, which really kind of depressed the price. She actually listed it without ever seeing inside. So <laughs> that's why she didn't know. And I remember it was $80,000. And at the time, the market was starting to kind of pick up. And I remember mm -hmm. you, this happens with a lot of new people. A lot of new people are always like, they run the numbers like, I don't know, this is kind of tight. And I was like, dude, you don't even got to think about this. <laughs> yeah. I'm like 80 grand for a duplex in like a decent area. Just just Shut buy it Jamie. now yeah. like <laughs> just, yeah. just move forward but yeah there's definitely and that that plays into like you said there were some things you were afraid of um mm -hmm. really when I mean, you're from getting, where i am today i completely agree with your assessment right but that's that's the beginning like everybody when they're getting started it's hard it's way easier to kind of be afraid of different stuff um mm -hmm. for sure because it's all unknown right so yeah i'd never bought a house before Right. I'd always been a renter. And especially so, seeing like drug related things. Um, yeah. And the house is built first, in 1900. Your first tenants. Yeah. So, so cool. That's, that's good. And then, I mean, I guess you bought it. Everything went smoothly. You increased <laughs> yeah. the tenants' rents. Uh, it was good to go. They accepted all the rent increases. But that's how it happened. Right. 
yeah. Um, so, so we bought it with a non-owner-occupied loan, and then the uh, the tenant informed us that he intended to leave, which he was entitled to for the lease. So then the downstairs one bed, one bath became vacant, and that just left us with the drug addict upstairs. Or you know, anyway, uh, certainly participant to be kind to be kinder to him. So then I'm faced with this dilemma. I'm here with my wife. We just moved across the country and I have a child that's like four to six months old at this point. So am I going to move my family underneath this guy? So anyway, we're figuring that out and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. And then we close on the property and we're like, well, we're just going to do repairs until this guy moves out and he gets like frustrated with us. And then I think the day after closing, I want to say the day after closing, I got a call from the police. Um, oh, no, I got a call from his daughter, from the tenant's daughter. And she was asking me for money because her father had died and they wanted the security deposit. So, I mean, Priorities. Just, I could spend a lot of time on all of that. But anyway, it was like. First time landlord. And it's like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I mean, and truth be told at the end of this, you know, uh, you know, I, I feel very bad for his family, but, but for us, it did just make things a lot less complicated is the, the exact language I'll use. Right. So it made the whole situation less complicated. And we, we had, well, to deal sort with of. His, well, we had to deal with his things, but you know, there was no eviction process. Really. There was no, you know, turning the unit, Okay, so boom, we can start construction right away. We don't have to worry about disrupting any, anybody, fixing things up. So basically, once that happens, okay, we know what we're going to do. We're going to move into the downstairs then. We basically have this vacant house to ourselves, and we're just going to get going. So, uh, I mean, that's that's what happened there. I mean, I can skip forward uh, to kind of the end. We could talk about the rehab. So that brings up one interesting point to anybody who is, like, newer that's listening. Um I don't think that it should influence your decision to buy or not to buy a property. But I tell people nowadays, like I would almost pay more for a building that was delivered vacant than one that was <laughs> delivered with tenants. So yeah. a lot of newer people are like, Oh, I, you know, there's instant cash flow. It's nice. There's tenants. And it's like, yeah, but the old owner probably just threw whoever in there because they wanted to show income because they knew that all oh, you guys thought about that and mm -hmm. in some ways it does like it's harder to qualify for a loan if there's to like full vacancy but if you can if it's like your first deal and you can somehow get the building vacant and you don't have to learn about like evictions and all that other crap right off the bat well you might still have to learn about evictions if you don't screen well but if you just start with your own tenants, it's a way easier way to start. So why you say that it was uncomplicated was that other than figuring out all this BS with the family and the security deposit and all this drama over like 500 bucks, right. it's, it's like... And, uh, and his things in the house and like, is yeah. it a crime scene? Am yeah. Just I mean, crime scene? Did he fake I, his death? Yeah, I still, I still as a landlord haven't had to deal with any of this yeah. like stuff. Um, pretty... I mean, pretty unlucky to be right after closing but like you yeah, said uncommon. it made it uncomplicated because then you just had to figure that out rather than like the whole run around of how do i get this guy out 
I don't really want to live next to this, but I'm living in the basement. How do I discontinue his rent? And if I remember that guy, he wasn't like, he was all right to talk to. He wasn't, didn't seem like a bad fellow. He just was into some stuff that I probably wouldn't want my family to like be around. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, he didn't strike me as like a, a violent offender or anything. Right. But yeah, I mean, uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's totally up to you. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit or if we can just go into where the building is now or the reno, you know, like, I guess the renovation would be useful. So what did you get into as far as renovating once you did get everything cleaned out? So um, I'm trying to think for the listener, it's probably helpful for them to think about like, so for me, um, the house is pretty run down, right? The rent was going for five the guy smoked upstairs. So, um, basically what we signed up to do is we were just going to do paint and floors as much as we could. So, um, we, we did that it's lath and plaster. So quite a bit of work there, but yeah, I mean, it was really just paint and floors. And did you do all this yourself? I did. Uh, so I had my uncle and my dad come help me for like a weekend, but yeah, pretty much all myself. And that was, um, I don't know. You just have to move through it. You know, I would do things differently now that I know more, but um, you know, I would definitely, I would continue to paint and use a luxury vinyl plank floating floor or, or paint um, a wooden floor with polyurethane or something like that. But uh, you know, we made some mistakes. Like we tried to paint these old cabinets, should have just ripped those out, put brand new ones in, you know, the amount of energy we spent trying to refurbish these stupid cabinets that didn't open and close smoothly anyway. It's like, hmm. bro, just buy a cabinet, move it in. So if I had to like summarize my renovation experience, it would be like, look, paint floors and new electrical, um, what are those called? Like outlets and face plates. I mean, that okay. takes you, that takes you really far. Okay. And then I was too cheap. I wasn't frugal. I was cheap. Right. So I, you know, I was like uh, saving these cabinets instead of spending an extra 500 bucks and like, you know, I was so focused on cash flow and the, you know, cash on cash returns for day zero stuff. You know, if I even had like a one year attitude about this, it would have been completely different, you know, way more open minded. And I would have made honestly investments that would have saved me time and money in the long run. Right. So like, you know, just change all your shutoff valves for all the plumbing. If it's old, if it, if it even looks old, just, you know, just do that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so anyway, that, that would have been the renovation, but anyway, that finished. And, um, so we, we lived downstairs, we did the top half, then we moved to the top, did the bottom half. We actually subbed out, uh, the floors and the bathroom on the bottom part. We did all the painting ourselves, And then, um, and then we moved out eventually. And, um, you know, long story short, we bought it for 80 refinanced at 155. And I think the leases at that time were like seven and eight, something like that. Um, so we got a favorable appraisal in my opinion, but, uh, Hey, I'll take it. And it's not like crazy favorable, right? It's roughly 1% ish. And, um, and yeah, did a little bit of landscaping, gave the place some like curb appeal. And, uh, yeah, I think we were probably into it for like 120. So quite a bit of money. We did a roof, box cutter, retaining wall, stairs are cracked paint floors bathroom so you know so what and, all oh, go ahead sorry and a lot of sweat is all i was gonna say which brings me to my question so a lot of people when they start 
thing they're worried about is a lot of people say, well, I don't know how to fix anything. I'm not handy. So hmm. before you did this, did you know how to do anything? Um, I mean, like I knew tools, right? I knew what uh, channel lock pliers were. But no, I had never retiled a bathroom before. I had never, honestly, I hadn't painted a wall since I was, whatever, 10 years old. Uh, certainly yeah, had never. I hadn't done the floors and anything like that. Never done floors. But here's the other truth. You, you don't need to know that stuff. Like if you don't want to do it, then just don't do it. You know, pay somebody to do it. And sometimes paying somebody is the right way to go. But yeah, yeah, if you have to do it, look, man, they sell this stuff at Home Depot because they know that Joey Bag of Donuts is going to go buy this and do it because he saw the commercial on HGTV. It's, it's not rocket science stuff, but, you know, it's like building Ikea furniture is probably the analogy I'll make to people, right? You can do it. You're probably going to mess it up like two or three times and have to do it again. And then once you've built enough Ikea furniture, you're like, okay, I don't even have to read the instructions anymore. That's, yeah. that's basically where we're at now with this. I guess the point is that like most of the basic DIY stuff you can learn pretty easily. So if you are kind of worried about spending money on contractors or whatever, a lot of the things, as long as you have some basic mechanical aptitude, you can wrap your head around and be able to fix and do that stuff. Obviously, there are things that are more technical. You want to call like the right contractor. That takes a lot of skill and education and learning and everything. But things like floors and painting and even things like once you become slightly more handy from doing stuff yourself, like replacing faucets or oh yeah, lights or outlets or whatever sometimes um i mean if you don't know what you're doing always hire a professional but you can kind of figure out some of that stuff just from youtube or online articles or whatever so yeah i mean as long as you have that willingness it makes it a little bit easier so i i just guess my point is just i, I don't think people should be intimidated by not having any i guess experience with working on repairs prior to purchasing their place most of the basic stuff you can kind of get by doing that's why house hacking is nice because you do it in your own unit and you don't have yeah. to like learn on somebody else's shower which is nice um because you can't yeah. you can't really screw up stuff on a tenant's unit or they get all fussy and maybe more problems okay yeah. you don't have to drive over there you know what i mean the commute to the construction sites very uh <laughs> easy so yeah. i guess um you know overall what would you say would you say this was like scale of one to ten one being the worst possible deal ten being the best possible deal what would you rate this uh i don't know this is probably like an eight or a nine for me personally i it, yeah. i probably could have turned it into a 10 if you know i had a little more wisdom uh, but i mean yeah, I mean, basically, we created $40,000 worth of wealth. And so the mortgage on it, you know, with taxes and everything, I want to say is like sub 600. And it rents out for 700 and 800. Yeah. And, and more and importantly, a bunch of stuff. and so, more importantly, when you bought it, you were living there, too. So you were reducing your housing expense dramatically. Exactly. Yep. Um, and uh yeah, I, I mean, to tie this back to the earlier episode, right? That's that right there is like the 1200, uh, you know, let's call it a thousand to keep the math simple 12,000 times a year times 25. So that right there was $300,000 in net worth that we bumped off our number. And then by the time we were done with it, we added another 40,000 in net worth just in the 
equity in the property that we could then borrow money from that. We could take that money and we could go purchase another deal with that money, right? So that deal created more investment opportunity, more leverage for us, like as a more, more business uh, acceleration. And then uh, there's cash flow that comes off the property as well, you know, and it's, it's variable, but I'll tell you, it's more than 200 bucks a door. So it's like, I mean, in a year, uh, that was pretty wild. So, and yes, I had a child and I was working and I was, you know, yes, it was, it was busy. It was busy. <laughs> I had a job. I had a kid that was six months old. We moved my family across the country. Uh, we were renovating uh, a full duplex that somebody had smoked in. Uh, it, and it was the winter in Pittsburgh. So it was, it was, you left out smoked a variety of substances then. Yeah. No, I think it was just cigs. They smoked. <laughs> just cigs. Yeah. Well, that's good. So anyway, um, do you have any last, last points on that? The only thing I wish I did differently about that. The main thing I wish I did differently is I wish I started sooner. Not even like my wife and I have had this conversation. That's my big regret about that whole thing. I wish I just, if I had been doing this in 2012, I'd be talking to you from my boat right now. <laughs> well, your friend's <laughs> boat. It's never, never a good idea yeah. to own your own boat. Ain't that true? Ain't that true? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, they can call into the show at 412-212-8366. Uh, we'll either follow up with an answer to your question or answer on the air. Um, you can like, find subscribe. me like subscribe everywhere find our youtube through anthony and Gotti because we still need to set up a be free re specific one um find me at 412 agent the show is also on instagram um but you find it easier from from me so so, so give me a follow um you can also find me on bigger pockets linkedin facebook all all that stuff and then most importantly subscribe to the podcast um you can find us through our anchor our anchor uh, link, which you're already listening, but share it with your friends. Um, then they can listen on any of their favorite platforms. I think I covered everything. Did I miss anything? Yep. We're on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google. Blah, Overcast. Blah, blah, blah. And See, this is, this is why John handles the distribution. Yeah, I, I, do. I do the tech stuff. But anyway, next week, we're going to be talking about Tony's first deal. So stay tuned uh, for the next episode. Sweet. Peace. See you. Yep.